And uh, we're turning now to the reading of God's Word, and we're reading from uh, Mark. We're continuing in our series in Mark, and uh, we're reading from uh, Mark chapter 5, and we're reading from uh, verses 1 to 20 of Mark chapter 5. If you'd like to look it up on your phone or open it up in front of you, it's in the Church Bibles on page 1007, and we can read this uh, story together uh, this morning. So Jesus and his disciples were in the boat, uh, and they were crossing the lake, and we pick up the story there. And it says in Mark 5, uh, verse 1, They went across the lake to the region of the Gerasenes. When Jesus got out of the boat, a man with an evil spirit came from the tombs to meet him. This man lived in the tombs, and no one could bind him anymore, not even with a chain, for he had often been chained hand and foot. But he tore the chains apart and broke the irons on his feet. No one was strong enough to subdue him. Night and day among the tombs and in the hills he would cry out and cut himself with stones. When he saw Jesus from a distance he ran and fell on his knees in front of him. He shouted at the top of his voice, What do you want with me, Jesus, son of the most high God? Swear to God that you won't torture me. For Jesus had said to him, Come out of this man, you evil spirit. Then Jesus asked him, What is your name? My name is Legion, he replied, For we are many. And he begged Jesus again and again not to send them out of the area. A large herd of pigs was feeding on a nearby hillside. The demons begged Jesus, Send us among the pigs. Allow us to go into them. He gave them permission. And the evil spirits came out and went into the pigs. The herd, about 2,000 in number, rushed down the steep bank into the lake and were drowned. Those tending the pigs ran off and reported this in the town and countryside. And the people went out to see what had happened. When they came to Jesus, they saw the man who had been possessed by the legion of demons sitting there, dressed and in his right mind. And they were afraid. Those who had seen it told the people what had happened to the demon-possessed man and told them about the pigs as well. Then the people began to plead with Jesus to leave their region. As Jesus was getting into the boat, the man who had been demon-possessed begged to go with him. Jesus did not let him, go, let him but said, Go home to your family and tell them how much the Lord has done for you. And how he has had mercy on you. So the man went away and began to tell in the Decapolis how much Jesus had done for him. And all the people were amazed. Amen. Amen. Well, let me just underline my welcome as well to uh, our new communicants this morning. And we do pray uh, God's blessing over you as you join the church family here uh, this morning as full communicants. And we're continuing to look as as church family at at our four God-given vision priorities this morning. Uh, God's presence, God's word, God's people, and God's world. Uh, And and this, in the month of October, we've been looking at at God's people and how we care for one another. We've been looking at how we, we do that as we open ourselves to God and as we open ourselves to each other. How we care for one another through open hands and open lives and open tables, open to interruptions and open hearts 
And this morning, we come to open stories. We love to share stories, don't we? And sharing is caring. And this morning, I want to look at sharing stories, and we'll, we'll get to the story we just read in a moment. But, but first, uh, let me share this story with you. I'm just going to be open with you and share a story. So on Thursday afternoon, on Thursday afternoon, I had occasion to be parked over at the Hollywood Arches for a little time. I parked on a, on a little side street there, and I went and did what I needed to do, and I came back to my car about an hour later, and I was met with this. Well, I've been clumped, and I was just like, what? What? Why? I mean, there's no reason to clamp my car. It's not on yellow lines. It's not parked over a gateway. It's all legal, as far as I know. Why? So I went round to the driver's side, and I was met with this. Stop. Do not attempt to move this untaxed vehicle. And I was like, what? I always tax my car. It's only £30 a year. I've always taxed my car, even before I was a Christian. I taxed, <laughs> I taxed my car. And then I thought, let's have a look at the desk. No, there's no desk anymore, is there? Some of you will remember that. There used to be a little desk we put on the window. We saw it every day. We knew when our tar- car was taxed. And then I thought, well, how would I even know if my car's taxed? So uh, there was a phone number and the nice little watertight package that was stuck on the front windscreen. Uh, and I got that out and I rang and, and, uh, and uh, the number that the clampers had left stuck to my car. I'm going to just call it, be kind and call them clampers. I'm sure there were other names and things <laughs> through my mind as well. Um, but the clampers uh, uh, had left on my windscreen. And I took the leaflet out and the package and I got the number and I, and I rang them and they connected me with the DVLA who duly informed me that my car had not been taxed since March 2016. <laughs> but it, it was taxed for a year at that stage, so I suppose technically it, it sort of hadn't been taxed properly since March 2017. But anyway, still hadn't. <laughs> Still not bad value for money. (laughs) Oops. So I asked them, well, how would I know? Do you send reminders? I haven't got a reminder. And she said, we don't have to send reminders. It's your car. It's your responsibility to make sure your car is taxed. Sometimes we send reminders, sometimes we don't, but it's your responsibility. So I said, okay, well, how do I, what do I have to do to get my car released? I need my car she told me that, well, you need to tax it, you need to pay the tax arrears, you need to pay the fine, then you need to let the clampers know, and then they'll come and release your car. So I was stood there, and uh, I needed to tax my car. That's the first step. My tax book, of course, is at home in Comber. So the first thing I needed to do was go home, get my tax book. And then I went online, my internet was down. I had to <laughs> it was one of those days. I went to Comber Post Office, I said, can I tax my car? Yes, no problem, we can tax it from today, from the beginning of November. So, so then I needed to ring Swansea and pay my tax arrears. Then I got a lift back to Belfast and I rang the clampers and I, and I paid my fine. And I said, okay, I've done everything I need to do. I've taxed it, I've paid my arrears, I've paid my fine. And uh, I'll just wait here on you guys coming around to release my car then. And he said, uh, sir, it's, it's gone four o'clock. Um, 
they'll not be out today. <laughs> and I was like, when will they be out? And he said, well, sometime before 11 in the morning. And I'm thinking, it took you an hour to clamp it in 18 hours. <laughs> and then seeing it was such a hassle for these people and knowing that I have a fairly capable little angle grinder at home <laughs> and wanting to be as helpful as I possibly ever could, I, I, I offered to, to remove the clamp myself. Well, this did not go down very well with <laughs> Mr. Clamper. And he said, and Julie informed me, well, that will be a thousand pound fine if you do that, sir. So I thought, well, okay, if you want to take that approach, then you can come and unclamp it yourself. Um, uh, and, but that's the thing then, the car was sitting there, I had to get a lift back to the church, then I had to get a lift back to Cumber on Thursday night, then I had to get a lift back to my car on Friday morning, and it makes me very thankful for folks who ferried me around, so thank you. And, uh, but, but that's the thing, uh, you know, I, I, I just didn't know that my car wasn't taxed, and, and it was just such a hassle. But the thing was, on Friday morning... We, we went back, I went back around at 11 o'clock. They had obviously snook around at some stage and unclamped my car on Friday morning. Black Beauty was free. <laughs> Black Beauty was free again. And all was well, and I'm a few quid lighter uh, and a little bit older and hopefully a little bit wiser. So why did I tell you this? Well, we're keeping it real. We're keeping it real in Orange Field. And I guess that it helps to illustrate the power of the engaging power of a story, doesn't it? And also, you just might want to go home and check after church (laughs) whether or not your car is taxed. You can search check vehicle tax. There's a government website for it. And you can check and see just before you may end up with a story like mine, which you don't want. So you you can check that out. But we, we love to share stories. And this morning we read from Mark chapter 5 a story. And it's an amazing story. It's an amazing story of someone being set free by Christ. It's an amazing story of God's healing love and power. And did you notice how it finished? It finished with Jesus saying to this guy called Legion, go and share your story. And Jesus says in Mark five nineteen, go home to your family and tell Tell them how much the Lord has done for you and how he has had mercy on you. So the man went away and he began to tell in the Decapolis how much Jesus had done for him. And the people were amazed. You see, it finishes by Jesus saying, go and tell. Go and share your story. And I believe that Jesus is saying to us here this morning and in this season, as part of how you care for one another at Orangefield, Go and tell. Share your story. Share your story. And of course, you see, this is not some recent invention, some great new idea that I just came up with. We've been sharing stories forever, haven't we? We do it all the time in various different church and social settings. And we do it within the bigger picture of the great big God story. Within the context of that wonderful real life story, within the context of the story that the God of Exodus and the God of Easter is unfolding. God takes every one of our stories and he weaves them into the great big story, the great big salvation story that he has written and which we know the end of the story. 
Revelation 21 and 5, it says this, He who was seated on the throne said, I am making all things, everything new. Then he said, write this down, for these words are trustworthy and true. Basically, write this down, for this is an amazing true story. A story of creation, of redemption, of recreation. And you and your story are part of it. We all have a story to share and stories are powerful. This guy in our reading has a story to share. And you have a story to share. Let me encourage you to do that. We are church family. And you know, one of the things that I love about my family when we get together is how when we do, we love to share stories. Do you know who I met the other day? Let me tell you what happened to me last week. We love to share our stories, and of course I now have another story to share with them come Christmas or whenever I see them. And there are people, many opportunities in Orangefield when we gather together in church family contexts. On Sundays and in church and in small groups, in prayer meetings during the week, in pastorate and district meetings throughout the year. After, after church for a cup of tea or for coffee in the ark during the week. There are many opportunities to share. And there are people who would love to hear your story. There are people who would benefit from hearing your story. And there are, there are ways in which you would benefit from sharing your story. The people would love to hear your story. With elders and staff and other brothers and sisters, other folks in the church. Who we can help or who can help us as we share our stories together. In Galatians 6, Paul writes to the church, he says this, carry each other's burdens, and in this way you will fulfill the law of Christ. In sharing our stories, we can receive assistance from our brothers and sisters in the Lord. We can share our burdens, and we can carry theirs, and we can fulfill the law of Christ. And this guy in the passage here, he certainly had a story to tell, didn't he? We see in this passage that, first of all, he had a story of hurt. This man's story was one of, firstly, of, of, of hurt, of isolation. Relational hurt, perhaps. But it says here, the man lived in the tombs. He was isolated, he was lonely, and he had relational difficulties, relational hurt. Perhaps today you feel isolated, you feel lonely. Perhaps today you're struggling with a relationship. Let me encourage you to find a place and a person or people within the church family with whom you can share your story. This man had a story of emotional hurt. Verse 5, night and day he would cry out. Perhaps today you're hurting emotionally. It might help to share your story for often, you know, a problem shared is indeed a problem halved. He had a story of physical hurt. He cut himself with stones, verse 5. Perhaps today you have a story of physical hurt, of physical pain. Share your story. He had a story of spiritual hurt. Verse 8, come out of this man, you evil spirit. Maybe today you're feeling under spiritual attack. Share your story. Here was a man with a story of hurt, emotional, physical, spiritual. Maybe that's you today. Maybe you're hurting in some of these ways, emotionally, physically, spiritually. Well, one of the great things about belonging to a church family is this. There is usually someone else sitting not too far away from you who has experienced or is experiencing similar situations and similar hurts. 
Seek them out. Share your story. Bear one another's burdens. You know, we have some particular groups in, in church such as Grief Share or our mental health carers support group. The Kairos group for parents of children with disabilities also meets here. And these folks share their stories and they support one another in these particular areas of life. We have many other groups and individuals who have gone through similar circumstances and experience as, what, as to what you are going through right now. Seek them out or come and speak with pastoral staff in complete confidence. And we will see how we can help or how we can connect you with the appropriate people or group. So you can share your story and find some healing and find some hope. For Legion starts off with a story of hurting, but by the grace of God, this man's story becomes a story of healing and of hope. Verse 15, when they came to Jesus, they saw the man who had been possessed by the legion of demons sitting there, dressed and in his right mind. You see, by the power of the word and the power of the spirit, this man is set free. By the love of Jesus, he is healed. He is healed from his loneliness and isolation for he will now go back to his family. He is healed from his emotional hurting. There is no more crying out. He is healed from his physical hurting. There is no more cutting and no more pain. He is healed from his spiritual hurting. The demons are gone. Legion has met with the great healer. Legion has met with the great healer, the one who breaks the power of sin and darkness. The one who heals and sets free. And he is the same yesterday, today, and forever. He is still at work in his people, by his spirit, by his word. And as we come to him, he still sets us free and he still makes our stories, stories of healing and hope. And we see here then in verse 18, when he is healed, this man wants to hang out with Jesus. But Jesus says, no, Jesus says, go and tell. Go and share your story. Go home to your family and tell them how much the Lord has done for you. And how he has had mercy on you. And there is of course a time and a need for us to hang out with Jesus. We must. But there is also a time for us to share what Jesus has done for us. Jesus saw a greater ministry for this man's life than the man even saw for himself. Jesus knew that though this man thought he needed to be with him, he really needed to go and share the good news. To be a witness for Christ. To his transforming love and transforming power. So Jesus commands him, verse 19, go and tell, go and share. And Jesus knew that the people would listen to this man's story. And that's the same today as well. And every Christian has a story to tell. And Jesus sends us to to go and tell the great things that he has done for us. Yes, we have all the ups and downs. We have the valleys and the mountains and the whatever else comes along. 
But we must also remember that if we are Christians, Jesus has set us free, hallelujah, from the power of sin and darkness. He has adopted us into his family. He has pardoned us for our past. He has given us a purpose for our present. Promises for our future. And his presence with us always. That's what Laura and Michael and Matthew and Patty are saying yes to today. And these wonderful truths are yours too. If you've ever said yes to Jesus, they're yours. You see, I think that we often need to be reminded of what he has done for us. C.S. Lewis said people need more to be reminded than taught. We are prone to forget, and Jesus knows that we are prone to forget. That's why he says, do this in remembrance of me. You see, we are prone to forget what God has done for us, and we are prone to to underestimate the power of story, the power of our story, the power of the story. I think often that people don't need more theology. They need just to hear our stories. They need more witness. You might be surprised by the impact that your story can make. Look, this man, he goes to share his story. In verse 20 it says that the people were amazed. So, they, so the man went away and began to tell in the Decapolis how much Jesus had done for him. And the people were amazed. I'm sure he never thought that we would still be sharing his story. That that his story would touch so many lives. But as he made it known, people began to listen. God's spirit of grace and truth was at work through him as he shared his story with others. And it will be the same. It will be the same when we share our stories too. You see, our stories are not mere little human biographies. No, they are much bigger than that. They are God-filled, God-graced, and God-ordained. Our stories are about the God who has, who has been and who is currently, what he is doing in us and through us. Our stories are made up of our struggles, our failures, our hopes, and our dreams. And God takes all our stories, every single one of them, the good, the bad, and the ugly, And he takes them and he redeems them and he uses them and he weaves them into his one great big unfolding salvation story. Just as I finish, as God's people here at Orangefield, let us be looking for opportunities to be open with one another. Let us be looking for opportunities to be sharing our stories with one another as we seek to better love and care for one another. Stories of hurting, stories of healing, stories of hope. Let us be telling our stories and let us be listening to others. Because in this, sharing really is caring. And and so whilst this priority of being God's people and of caring for one another will, of course, shape us for the years ahead. Today we, we come to the end of our month of focusing on this particular element of our 2020 vision. We again have produced little bookmarks, people, God's people, we care for one another. Uh, and this is for this month of October and you hopefully got one on the way in. If you didn't, there are uh, some of them sitting on the vestibule table. Uh, and let me 
uh, encourage you to lift one on the way out. But throughout this month, God has been speaking to us individually and collectively. As we've looked at caring for one another through open hands and open lives, open tables, open to interruption, open hearts, and today open stories. On the bookmark, there is room for you to write your response to what God has been saying to you. So let me encourage you, as part of your response, to do that. Shall we pray together for a moment? Let us pray. Let's just take a moment to continue responding to what God has been saying to us this morning about sharing our story and listening to others as we care for one another at Orangefield. And we can continue to take some time during communion to continue in our response. But we stay in an attitude of prayer. We continue in prayer and we pray, Heavenly Father, your Son Jesus Christ told us that the world will know that we are His disciples by the love we have for one another. So as your people here at Orangefield, may we be known to the world as His disciples because they can see the love we have for one another. A love that is rooted in your love the love that sent your only Son to die for us, the love that raised him again from the dead, and the love which now welcomes us with open arms. For we pray these things in the power of the Spirit, in your Son's beautiful name, and for your glory alone. Amen. Amen.